0: Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports. Yes, the podcast from Just the News, where today we've got two amazing interviews. First up, Senator Lindsey Graham. Yes, one of the most important and influential voices in the Senate, particularly when it comes to matters of Senate judiciary, elections, the budget. He's the ranking member on the Senate Budget Committee. He's going to join us, and then we're going to take an interview with someone you may never heard of before. His name is Jonathan Haidt. He is a New York University business professor and he has a remarkable article he wrote about why the past 10 years of American life have been uniquely stupid it's a very powerful story about how we have been hung up on the frivolous and created division about things that don't matter while missing the very big things that do matter professor hate is going to be a fantastic interview today he's a guy that calls it right down the middle he's not a lefty not a righty He's somebody that just stepped back and captured some of the insanity of the cancel culture of social media, of the petty over the substantive. It's going to be a really fun interview. I'm really looking forward to that one. It's a little different type of interview than we normally do, but I think you're going to get a lot out of it. Now, before we do that, it's always good to get some headlines in, and we have a lot of them for you today. Starting with the former president of the United States, Donald Trump. He went 22-0 and 0 last night in his endorsements. That's right. He helped J.D. Vance move from third place to first and win the Ohio Senate nomination. 22 candidates that he endorsed in Ohio and Indiana. All of them won. All of them won. Yes, he is still the most important and powerful figure in the Republican conservative movement right now. There's no doubt about it. Secondly, we've had him on the show several times. John Paul McIsaac, the Delaware computer repairman who got the Hunter Biden laptop, gave it to the FBI, then was maligned as a Russian disinformation artist when he wasn't at all. Well, today he sued CNN and Politico and the Daily Beast and Adam Schiff for maligning his reputation. That will be upcoming, important very well to do there to keep an eye on that. Here's one that has me really concerned among all of the stories that I have been keeping an eye on. The new site Vice, and it leans a little left, young millennial site, but it did a FOIA and it came up with a very important finding. And that is that the CDC was buying the location data from your, my, and every American's cell phones to track whether Americans were following their COVID lockdown orders, their COVID behaviors big brother. Why do scientists need this? Why do they need to be tracking us? We're talking tens of millions of phones. This is one of the most egregious efforts at the government to invade our privacy. And people say, well, you know, you when you put an app on, you sign location data. Well, most Americans don't know that. And the fact of the matter is the CDC doesn't need to be spying and prying into our lives. Stick to the science, leave the privacy to the American public. That's a really important story. And I think that that's something that's getting a lot of attention. And then my good colleague, Greg Piper, we've had him on here many, many, many times. He's always breaking news on the COVID front, on the cancer culture front, on the free speech front. A remarkable subject expert. This morning, he has a new MIT study, I think it was done in concert with some Israelis, that found that COVID-19 vaccines, quote, significantly, are significantly associated with a jump in emergency heart problems particularly from 16 to 39-year-old. Our young, healthy world adults, young adults, they're disproportionately affected. There is clearly an association between the vaccine and this jump, according to the researchers. I wonder how long before Twitter suppresses that story. And meanwhile, you've got some pilots out there raising some very serious concerns about that as well. Keep an eye on both of those. I think that's Really, really important. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, first up, Senator Lindsey Graham, he spent some time with Amanda, Head, and I, and we're going to give you that interview first exclusively here on John Solomon Reports. It'll replay in video tonight on Just the News, Not Noise on Real America's Voice. And then after that, you're really going to like this. I'm pretty sure you are. An extraordinary writer, extraordinary thinker, Professor Jonathan Haidt from New York University, talking about why the last decade has been the decade of American stupidity, of pettiness, of unnecessary division. He's got some testimony coming up before the Senate Judiciary Subcommittee on Privacy Technology and the law. He is a very powerful thinker. And I think this article he wrote in the Atlantic, not Atlantic, I don't agree with a lot of things, this Atlantic article is spot on and he deserves a lot of credit for writing this and getting us to think a little bit about how we all have acted over the last 10 years. We're going to have both of those guests right after the commercial break.
1: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
0: Good evening, America, and welcome to Just the News, Not Noise, the show that brings you real news and tries to drown out all that frivolous noise. Joining you tonight from Washington, D.C., I'm John Solomon.
2: And here in Los Angeles, I'm your other co-host, Amanda Hen.
0: The fallout from the extraordinary leak of a draft Supreme Court ruling on abortion is being felt far and wide. A formal probe has now been launched. There are calls for accountability for the leaker. And of course, there are plans by both sides in the abortion debate to make this an issue in the fall elections. And joining us right now to react to that draft ruling and all the other news going on in Washington is one of the Senate's most influential members, Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina. Senator, a pleasure to have you on the show today.
1: Thank you very much. Glad to be with you.
0: I'd like to get your impression. We've had about 24 hours now to absorb this extraordinary leak. Uh, first, the, the fact that it was leaked is in itself extraordinary. And then what you see in the ruling, what, what do you think of the draft thoughts of the justices?
1: Okay, number one, let's start with the leak itself. I think it's probably one of the saddest days in the history of the court. Can you imagine what it was like to go to work the day after the leak? Everybody's looking at each other suspiciously. Uh, the collaborative process to form an opinion has been destroyed. The trust factor at the court is very low. It's a small group of people doing important work. And somebody or a handful of people, most likely, felt a need to betray the court for whatever cause is most important to them. And if a lawyer's involved, I hope they get disbarred. If there's a crime being committed, I hope they get prosecuted. This is an ongoing assault on institutions. I don't know if it was a conservative person. If it was, they betrayed uh, the conservative cause. It was a liberal law clerk trying to get the opinion out, to get public pressure on the court to change its mind about Roe v. Wade. That was dumb and it's not going to work. So time will tell. As to the opinion itself, most conservatives since the day of Roe v. Wade was decided believed it was a constitutional overreach that you're creating a constitutional right that doesn't exist through this concept called substantive due process, that has really no boundaries. So the idea that Roe v. Wade Wade would be overturned because it's not sound constitutional law makes sense to me. And that means that every state, if it is overturned, will have a chance to write abortion law as they see fit. Doesn't outlaw abortion in the United States. It allows the states individually determine what path they want to take. And I think that's probably the best answer to this problem.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and that distrust can have a devastating impact, especially on an institution like the Supreme Court. But I wanted to shift gears a little bit, Senator. John broke a story last week regarding the Biden Justice Department and their close coordination with liberal advocacy groups in Georgia that were fighting that state's new election law. The topics for the meeting were redacted, citing deliberative privilege an attorney work product is it conventional for the doj to be working so closely with a political organization that they can reasonably argue attorney-client privilege
1: you know that's kind of an un- unusual situation where the department of justice <laughs> has an attorney-client relationship with an activist group i've never heard of that before and that tells you all you need to know about the doj in georgia right uh, georgia's law that was passed by the georgia legislature makes it harder to cheat and, quite frankly, more time to vote. What happened in Georgia in 2020 is is being looked at. Uh, Signature verification, uh, the consent decree where basically you change the data pool that you would verify a uh, absentee ballot signature against created problems. And the state legislature uh, made it harder to forge a ballot I don't mind people voting absentee. I'd rather have people vote in person, but if you vote by mail, you should have a verification system just as good as if you showed up and voted in person and the ability to vote in Georgia starts weeks before the election. Compared Georgia law to Delaware is more voter friendly. But the fact that the Department of Justice would claim privilege or suggest a privilege with a private organization uh when it came to a hearing regarding the georgia election law and voting rights in georgia is pretty stunning and hats off to john for finding that out i don't think we'd ever known without john
0: yeah it's pretty extraordinary what's going on and i know senator you've always argued for the common sense i think when people look at you you always find the common sense that unites us there, everybody agrees that uh, you look at the polls 80 percent believe in voter id they believe in non-citizens voting. But Mark Elias, Stacey Abrams, they're continuing to challenge things. Last night, they just filed a lawsuit saying making someone sign their ballot with a pen could be racially discriminatory because some people might not have pens. Last week, it was you shouldn't do a citizen check. Do you think the Democrats are overplaying their hands with everyday Americans?
1: I think they want everyday Americans to wear a mask in perpetuity. (laughs) (laughs) Here's what I think. I I think there's been an assault on institutions for the last couple of years to get outcomes. So when the election doesn't go your way for Democrats, they want to federalize elections. So we have legislation in the Senate that would institute same day voting, would basically legalize ballot harvesting, would take federal authority, uh, give federal authority to run elections, take it from the states, which I think is a violation of the Constitution. They want to expand the number of judges on the Supreme Court because it's conservative, it's conservative because we want elections and we pick judges that were conservative. That would destroy the court. They want to abolish the Electoral College because it stands in the way of getting the right answer, which is for Democrats to win all the time. So the Supreme Court is another example of peop- people destroying institutions to get an outcome. They want to make sure Roe v. Wade stays the law of the land and they'll do anything necessary to make that happen. They wanted to keep Kavanaugh's seat open destroy him so it couldn't be filled uh, by a Republican. So this radical left assault on institutions seems to be boundless. Yeah.
2: Senator, I want to shift. As John and I mentioned in the opening of the show, the Trump endorsed candidate J.D. Vance prevailed in the GOP Senate primary in Ohio yesterday. President Trump, 22 and O, with those endorsements. Wanted to get your reaction.
1: Well, he's uh, the 800 pound gorilla in the room, right? I mean, he's the most Consequential Republican. He has a lot of support in the Republican Party. If he runs for uh, president in 2024, I think he'll win the Republican primary. I don't think anybody uh, can challenge him effectively. His record as president was was very consequential if you're a conservative. Uh, so his endorsement was outcome determinative for J.D. He was in a crowded field of talented people and he went from like fourth or fifth to first. And so the power of the Trump endorsement is real. We'll see how it plays out in these other states. And I'm urging everybody to get behind JD. He was a, you know, enlisted Marine, so that speaks volumes to me about him and his character, and, and I want to help him win. But if a Trump-supported candidate falls short in some of these other states, I would urge President Trump to do what everybody else is doing, get behind the winner.
0: Yeah, I think that's what a lot of people are going to be looking for in the fall. Senator, when you look at the map, uh, uh, what are, it looks like the Republican chances are improving across the board. What's important for Republicans to do between now and election day to close the deal to make sure they have both the House and Senate in their hands in November?
1: Uh, Talk about failures of democratic leadership in the area of managing uh, the economy. Uh, Inflation is record soaring high because we've shut down oil production in America for all practical purposes talk about the dangers of an open border, the rise of terrorism, the effect on law enforcement from this endless effort to defund the police, Uh, talk about the radical agenda being pushed by the squad that would transform America. But what's equally important, John, is for us to have a positive American first agenda talking about opening up more oil and gas production in the United States, finishing the wall, changing our immigration system to stop this Flow Keep Title 42 in effect, have a sort of a America first contract with America agenda. We can be united around to be positive. I think showcasing the failures of the Biden administration, uh, the withdrawal from Afghanistan, the dangers we face as a nation is important, but we also need to have a positive agenda that would unite the party.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Senator, we've just got a few minutes left. Uh, I think according to Gallup last month, congressional approval was around 20%. That was three points up from January, though, so that's good. But as far as the Republican base, what, what do you think the, the Republican voters want to see come out of Congress legislatively to get those approval numbers up?
1: Well, number one, we don't have the House. We don't have the Senate. I think mean, what the Republican base wants us to do is stop the madness, right? Build back better. It would add trillions of dollars to the debt, and it's a massive spending uh, package. that would throw gasoline on an inflation fire. Uh, the Democrats are gonna to try to change the rules of the Senate in, in light of the Roe v. Wade draft. Uh, I hope Cinema and Manchin will hold. Um, they will take another shot at changing the rules of the Senate to make it the House so they can pass their agenda uh, with 50 votes alone that's a threat to the future of the united states senate the undercuts the checks and balances we have so i think the republican base wants us to fight the radical agenda and to talk about things that will help improve the life of average everyday americans that's why we need a contract with america american first agenda the truth of the matter is there's not many laws we're going to pass that biden would sign Uh, So we'll have to work with the Democrats where we can. Social media reform is a place for bipartisanship. Most Americans believe that Google and Facebook and Twitter have way too much power. They can put their thumb on the scales. Uh, There's privacy issues. People Uh, are looking. John, you've been good on this. I think there's a space for bipartisan uh, approach to regulating social media. This.
0: Well, Senator, we just bumped up against a commercial break, but thank you so much for joining us, folks. We'll be right back after this break. All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote. It's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title and your first 30 days of Triple Lock Home Title Protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time, go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity, in your home. All right, folks. Welcome back for the commercial break. About a week ago, I saw this extraordinary article in the Atlantic Magazine really summarizing the last 10 years of what I would call decadent silliness in America. And uh, I couldn't wait to get this author on. Jonathan Haidt is a social psychologist at the New York University Stern School of Business. He is the author of this extraordinary article, Why the Past 10 Years of American Life Have Been Uniquely Stupid. Uh, Jonathan, great to have you on the show today.
3: Oh, well, thanks so much, John. A pleasure to be talking with you.
0: This article is a must-read, you have to read it a couple times to fully appreciate just how brilliant the thoughts are in this. What inspired you to write this? Are you sitting around realizing, boy, the last decade was a bad decade? (laughs) What inspired, so what inspired me
3: was that in 2014, it felt like the universe changed. So I, I'm a college professor. I teach at New York University. I'd been at the University of Virginia for most of my career. I love being a professor. I love my students. And all of a sudden, in 2014, this weird stuff started happening where some students started just attacking us like for nothing, for like a word, for not even ideas. It was often for a single word. And, and so I, I, I wrote this article with my friend Greg Lukianoff called The Coddling of the American Mind. And at the time, we thought this was just something about college. But boy, were we wrong. Um, As Gen Z, that is, as kids born after 1996, as they began to graduate from college in around 2018... The problem spread everywhere, certainly in journalism, uh, in in the in media, the arts, uh, mo- almost any progressive or knowledge-based industry, you tended to have the same pattern. And the heart of it, you pointed to the triviality, the silliness, but the real heart that makes it so destructive is the fear. That's yeah. what's changed our institutions, that people are afraid to speak.
0: Yeah, what, what, what an important uh, moment to realize that too. I don't think people realized how hunkered down we were. I mean, we got so used to having free speech and then all of a sudden this cancel culture comes along, all of these uh, silly protests that really don't have a purpose other than the purpose of protesting. And people hunker down and they start to give away, the, one of the greatest gifts that this country has ever given us are our right to speak our mind. Do you think we're at a tipping point? When I read this article, I kept thinking, you know what? I think John thinks we're at a tipping point. We're reaching a very important moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you do you think that's true?
3: Well, so we, we, I think we're close to a variety of tipping points. Um, on the negative side, our our republic it depends on its institutions. And if you look around the world, especially let's look at the new world, there's all these countries in North and South America. Those that were built uh, on British institutions are doing amazingly. That's the U.S. and Canada. And those built on Spanish colonial institutions are having a lot of trouble. It's hard to have a democracy without good institutions. And what's been happening, and was the focus of my essay, was it's not that it's making us dumb as individuals. We're not stupid people. But it's making our institutions and our groups dumb. Because when people are afraid to speak up and challenge an orthodoxy, then decision-making goes off kilter. And you get... You know, the leaders of every institution, you see this certainly like the New York Times and many other places, the leaders who have good liberal values, and I don't mean liberal like left, I mean like liberal, like believing the liberal tradition, free speech, freedom of assembly, all that. The leaders are all liberals in that sense, but they were terrified of their young, woke employees who would just, you know, call them out on this, that or the other thing. And um, so that was the that was the wave of fear that it first hit us in universities, 2014 to 2015, and then it spread so far in 2018 through 2020. So, I, we're, I think we are possibly at a very dangerous tipping point where people no longer trust the institutions. Um, boy, we're going to see that, um, you know, we're going to see it on the left with the Supreme Court decision. Right. Uh, we've seen it on the right with people distrusting certainly the media, the tech platforms. And the of course, FBI the right in some cases, it. yeah. 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 So each side can point to areas where the institutions have failed them. But if both sides are now distrusting the institutions, um, then we're in big trouble as a country. So I think we're in a very negative tipping point in that way. Uh, But there is also possibly a positive tipping point. Um, which is, when I wrote the article, I was incredibly pessimistic. I am really worried about the future of our country. But the reception of the article, normally when I say something, people either on the right or the left attack me. I'm a centrist and I often say things that anger people on both sides. Nobody's attacking me. Like, it's, it's uncanny. Like, nobody is calling me names. Nobody's attacking me because almost everyone is exhausted and people are sending me thank you notes, like, thank you for writing this article. Because almost all of us are reasonable people who love our country, and it's the extremists on the right and the left, plus trolls, you know, they're people, mostly men, who just love to harass people, plus Russian agents. Those are the four groups that have really benefited from Twitter and other social media platforms. And the rest of us, the other 80% of the country, we're just fed up.
0: Yeah, you really sense that. And I feel like in the last three or four months, uh, maybe going back six months, um, there's been a willingness of the of the quiet majority that is fed up but didn't want to stick their head out saying, you know what, we got to speak up because silence is complicity in this. You have an incredible line in the, um, the article. As soon as I read it, it just jumped out at me and I've said it about 20 times to myself uh, as I'm walking around. Social media has both magnified and weaponized the frivolous. Part of the way we've been dividing ourselves is getting into these extraordinary fights over things that really are... Quite frivolous. Um, That's right. What, describe how social media sort of was the injection point for a lot mm-hmm. of this dysfunction that you write about.
3: Yeah. Um, so let's see. If I have, I have um, some incredible quotes here from you know, from the founding fathers. Let me see if I can find this quote from James Madison. So, so the founding fathers knew that a democracy is an unstable way to run a country that if you let the people decide, do you really want the people to, to be making the decisions? And they knew from history that that's a, that's a bad idea. The right. people have to have a say. They have to have a break. They have to be able to throw out the l- rulers if they're not happy. So we have a republic with democratic features. And, and they did this because they knew that the people are subject to passions to getting carried away by a demagogue and by triviality. So here's the key line. So from Federalist 10, which everybody should read, um, uh, there's a key line where Madison talks about faction, and, and that's widely quoted. It talks about how uh, he says, uh, uh, oh, yeah, so things have ever divided mankind into parties, inflamed them with mutual animosity, and rendered them much more disposed to vex and oppress each other than to cooperate for their common good. So, boy, is that a good description of the way our politics is, is that our politicians or leaders are so focused on beating the other side. They don't realize the ship is sinking. You know, the crew's <laughs> yes. got to stop Yeah, maybe other the whole the the ship, yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. But, but here's the cool thing, which, which is what you asked about, which is the triviality. So, so that first line I quoted you was very widely quoted, but the rest of the paragraph is amazing. Uh, Madison says, So strong is this propensity of mankind to fall into mutual animosities that where no substantial occasion presents itself. The most frivolous and fanciful distinctions have been sufficient to kindle their unfriendly passions and excite their most violent conflicts. Wow. Now, if that if that isn't a perfect description of Twitter, I don't know what yeah. is. Yeah. I mean, and, there are big things going on. In,
0: yeah.
3: Oh, my God. That's right. That's right. Now, you know, the Ukraine war is big and we right. talked about it. Right. The, the possible reversal of Roe versus Wade is big and we talked about it. That's yeah. what we should do in a democracy. Yeah. You know, but in between, there's just all this stupid, frivolous stuff. I mean, Elon Musk buying Twitter is not is not stupid and trivial for this but my god it took up like a week or two that's all anyone yeah. could talk about and you know oh, he tweeted a cartoon let's yell about that for a couple i mean my god it's just so dumb
0: yeah and we spent a lot of time on big bird on twitter we took oh, a lot yes. of time on, on dresses things. these things don't matter uh, the that's future right. of the country matters and uh, so right. here's the question as i read this and i've done a lot of thinking over last week and what is the solution? If we if we uh-huh. can see now, if people, if your article has opened our eyes, and I think you've done a brilliant job of describing how we got to this point, what are some of the panaceas? What did our founding fathers yeah. see as a panacea? Uh-huh. How do we get this country yeah. back to the great dialogue that we normally have? Uh-huh.
3: So the most important thing we have to do, I believe, is to um, put, uh, is to, uh, change social media in ways that it no longer amplifies the extreme so much, and it gives more voice to the middle 80%. And the biggest single thing we could do is require identity authentication in order to open an account. So you can still post in a fake name. I'm not saying you have to use your real name. Right. But, if you're gonna, you, know, but you, can't, you can't walk up to a bank and hand them a bag of money and say, open an account for John Smith. You know, we have know your customer laws. And it should be the same for systemically important platforms. So for Twitter and Facebook and other big ones, Maybe you can open an account for free if you just want to look and watch. But if you're going to start posting stuff, you should have to prove that you're not a bot, you're not a Russian agent, that you actually are based in a particular country, that you're a real human being, and that you're old enough to be using the platform. This is a whole other thing we haven't touched on. But social media is completely devastating the health of kids born after 1990s, especially girls. Girls, a third to a half of them are depressed and anxious. I mean, we're we're destroying a generation. Uh, And we can stop it. We don't have to we don't have to just let the platforms have these rules, which is anyone can get on if they just lie about their age and we don't do anything about it. So we've got to stop that. We've got to require um, age and uh, identity authentication. I think every parent of a, of a teenager knows this, that the kids, you, there's no way to keep your kids off the platforms unless you keep them off the Internet. Yeah,
0: it's such an important uh, dialogue. And we're, the, the policymakers aren't having this level of dialogue. And so we've got to push them there. Censorship seems to have been one of the short-term ways that we've tried to deal with it. it. I don't think our founding fathers ever thought that was going to be a fruitful way to resolve an issue like this. No, that's right. So that's right. we can do this without censorship, right? Exactly. Yes. I urge everyone, please, if you're listening to this,
3: if you're listening to this show, please stop talking about content moderation. Yeah. That's all anyone talks about. That's know. not where the action is. Nope. Talk about if, if, we can, if we can eliminate uh, bots and fake users and troll accounts, that would have a huge impact. And there are lots of other ideas. I mean, the one that I'm I'm just trying to develop now is, um, you know, what if uh, what if on social media, uh, on Twitter, for example, um, you can have Twitter code we're uh, using artificial intelligence, how aggressive you are. So people who just you know, use obscenities all the time, and right. uh, you can tell uh, somebody whose who's feed is mostly aggressive, why do I want that person in my public square? If Twitter is going to be the public square, why should it be full of wild dogs and, and psychopaths? I want other citizens who, who aren't going to attack me for saying something. I want citizens who will argue with me. Right. So if, if Twitter just allowed us to filter out, filter out everybody who's a five on aggression, you know, everyone gets a one to five score on how aggressive uh, your, your feed is. And if you're a five, I'm going to set my filter to three or four, and, and I'm going to weed out the 10% that's, that's incredibly nasty. If we did that, then first of all, the middle 80% would be much more willing to speak up and to disagree when they disagree with something, um, and it would put huge pressure on others to be just less jerks, to be uh-huh. less nasty. Yep. So there are systemic features that would make social media much, much better.
0: It seems like uh, in some of the hints that... Um that elon musk has dropped in the last few days including making governments and corporations pay for accounts there looks to be some authentication things to address yes. bots i think he may be moving in this direction but i think your ideas are far ahead of where most people have gone they're so important Jonathan. how do people follow your work you're doing such great work i know you're at uh, the new york university's uh, school of business but where yeah uh, how where else can they follow your great work
3: well, so my website is jonathanheight.com. It's H-A-I-D-T, jonathanheight.com. Um, and anybody who's a parent, I urge you to check out letgrow.org. Uh, I'm working with Lenore Skenazy and others, the woman who wrote Free Range Kids, to try to give kids childhood again. Let them be outside playing where they will develop skills um, rather than just sitting on the phones it. all day. Yeah. And I also have co-developed a platform, um, openmindplatform.org. Uh, so if you, uh, if, you, if you run any kind of group, if you're having political strife in your company, um, check out openmindplatform.org. We developed it to teach people the skills of talking across divides, being civil and reasonable, and actually learning. Yeah,
0: what an amazing concept, the way we used to be not that long ago. Uh, uh, Jonathan, I think you've done an extraordinary public service, not only with the article, but all the other things that you're talking about. And you're, you're trying to develop solutions to this tipping point moment that we are. And uh, I'm forever grateful. I really enjoyed it. I can't wait to get you back on the show soon.
3: Uh, Well, thanks so much, John. Thanks for the work that you do in, in getting this out. And yeah, most Americans are reasonable and we want what's good for our country. And I think this is the time for us to stand up, whether you're on the right or the left, and say, we've got to improve the game. We've got to save the country.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I know there's a large majority of Americans that feel the way and they're finally speaking up. So this is a big moment. Great to have you on, John. Thank you so much. Thank you, John. All right, folks, we're gonna take a quick commercial break. We'll be back right after these messages.
2: Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.
0: All right, folks, welcome back. Uh, Wow, what a great show today. A big thanks to Senator Lindsey Graham. We covered a lot of topics quickly. The power of the Trump endorsement, the general election, and what Republicans need to do, having a positive agenda and, of course, his thoughts on the Supreme Court leak. And the voting rights. I think there's some really great stuff that he uh, tackled there. And then then Jonathan Haidt on all of the insanity of cancel culture, of technological free expression suppression, otherwise known as censorship. Two great guests, two big thoughts. Now, before we go, I always like you to hear from us about the great offers that our partners are advertisers our sponsors our strategic partners have at just the news we can't do what we do here the exclusive news the podcast the big newsmaker interviews the television show if we didn't have these incredible partners and one of them is genucell and i like these guys because i you know never really cared for my skin much as i was growing up and as a young adult i stayed out in the sun a lot and we're sunblock and now both as, I think, a function of my Irish heritage and that lack of attention to my skin. I am a rather red-faced skin. I have a lot of irritated skin. It blooms red all the time. When I have to go on the TV set, it takes a little bit of time to tone me down. Well, I've been doing some of that toning down myself. Why? Because my good friends at GenuCell have an incredible product. It's called Ultra Retinol Cream from GenuCell. It's the newest the most concentrated form of hyaluronic acid. That's what hydrates your skin at the cellular level, takes away the irritation, the dryness, the aggravation, the redness, and it builds a deep moisture base for you. So you get this incredible anti-aging effect. In my case, it isn't just anti-aging. It tones down the red. It's really pretty remarkable. And they want you to try this. And so they've made an extraordinary offer for Just the News fans for... John Solomon Reports fans, you go to g e n u c e l dot com slash Just News, okay? You're going to get up to 50% off, almost half off, the brand new Ultra Retinol Cream. You also get GenuCell immediate effects for results in 12 hours or less, free with that order. So 50% off the new Ultra Retinol Cream and a free... GenuCell immediate effects. All you got to do is go to GenuCell.com slash Just News. That's G-E-N-U-C-E-L dot com slash Just News right now. You're going to get free express shipping, free returns, exquisite customer service, and 100% money back guarantee and 50% off your first order as well as a free GenuCell immediate effects. Hey, for a guy who now has to pay attention to his skin because he's on TV, GenuCell is magical it really makes a difference it's toned down my red skin it's made my skin less rough easier to put the makeup on when i'm on television yeah i hate wearing makeup but you got to do it right really great stuff check it out support genucell let them know that you're taking advantage of this offer by going to the genucell.com slash just news url and take a look you're going to be impressed now tonight we're going to have a lot more on the tv show we're going to have our Full airing of Lindsey Graham. We've got Indiana Attorney General Todd Rakita who's taking on the Black Lives Matter group, investigating them for all those millions that they claim they raise. Where did it go? Mark Meckler is going to be with us. And we're going to break early a story we're going to have on the site tomorrow. Seamus Byrne and I are going to be talking about our investigation, along with the Government Accountability Institute, into Stacey Abrams and the loan business that she got wealthy on and how she shifted the burden of defaulting loans from her company to the federal government under Barack Obama. One of the great untold stories of how a major political figure took the risk away from herself and gave it to you, the American taxpayer. Don't miss that tonight on Justin News, Not Noise, on Real America's Voice, 6 p.m. Eastern. It's Channel 219 on Dish Network, Channel 240 on the Pluto Network. It's on all of the apps, the Roku app, the Real America's Voice app, the Justin News app. Just click the Watch tab. You'll be able to see the show there. We've got you covered many, many different ways. But let's start with the fact that you're going to go check out JennyCell.com. Let them know you love them for loving us. Check out that incredible new ultra Retinal cream. It really works. All right, folks, that wraps it up. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Justin News. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll get some more scoops. We'll give you a lot more on that Stacey Abrams story in the podcast tomorrow. Take care, guys. Have a good night, and thank you for listening. Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner, whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bite.